Uh, title of today's sermon is going to be, the title simple, quick, tough love, tough love. Amen? Amen. Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day. Tough love, tough love. Amen? How many of us are aware of tough love? Amen, right? And a lot of you, how many, how many, how many equate tough love, uh, and we're going to translate it for, 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 for Lee and so on, but uh, some of the Latinos, how, how many equate tough love with the chancleta? <laughs> the slipper. When our parents were hit with the slipper. My mother's here, so I don't want to talk too much about the chancleta. Uh, that's, still, that's still, I have postpartum uh, uh, blues, you know, with the chancleta, huh? Oh, she chased me, but she was fast. She was fast. My mother wasn't always, uh, she wasn't always uh, uh, 80, 82. She, at one point, she was in her 50s, and she was quite fast in her running. And uh, she caught me quite a few times. But she had good aim. She had a good aim, too. But we equate it with the belt as well, right? You know, because uh, sometimes, you know what? Uh, we, we, we've got to be tough with the love, loves in our lives, individuals in our lives. Amen? Got to be tough. I, I received yesterday, and we're about to go into the Word, and I'm aware of the fact you're standing. Uh, I'm just doing this in honor of Edgar, because Edgar normally... <laughs> keeping you standing in honor of Edgar. I got to blame somebody, brother. But, but, but I, I received yesterday, and I'm going to send it to you, but the thing is, it's majority in Spanish, but um, it, it, it showed, and it says, uh, if you know these three, and it had a belt, it had a chancleta, it had a slipper, and something else was there, and it says, if you, know, if you know these three pretty well, uh, you grew up to be a pretty nice person. <laughs> broom or something, a stick or broom. So you grew up to be a nice person. Because tough love was behind that. Amen? Tough love was behind that. Amen? And, and today I want to relate that to uh, uh, the chat we're going to have, the conversation we're going to have within the sermon. Uh, the sermon is going to, as well... Uh, it's going to relate to the past uh, three, four, three or four sermons that we've had the past couple of weeks. Um, folks, um, we, we need to understand, and uh, those who are new in our midst, you know, uh, when we have an evangelist come in our midst, an evangelist, an evangelist lightens up the crowd. He lifts the crowd. That's his job. Boom, boom, boom. People come to Christ, and then he leaves. Then it's up to the staff, the pastor, uh, to speak about how we're going to live uh, the moment of conversion. Amen. So that's where tough love comes in. Amen? So with us, praise the Lord, uh, our brother Lee is going to read the word for me. Uh, we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And we're going to consider verses 1 through 17. Praise the Lord. Amen? With us, brother Lee. Praise the Lord, everyone. Don't touch my water. Praise the Lord. I'm going to drink some of Sisto's water. I'll be reading from... The New King James Version, chapter 3, verse 1 to 17. May the Lord God have a blessing to the reading of his word. When you have it, say amen. This is the word of the Lord. If my phone should cut off, please bear with me. I'm going to go to the King James Version. I got it here. Come on, Lord. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as a spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I feed you with milk and not with solid food. 
for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? When then is Paul, or who then is Paul, and who is Apollo, but ministers, through whom you believe that the Lord gave to each one? I planted Apollo's water, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and, who, and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear for the day. We'll, de we'll declare it because it was revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work. Of what sort is it? If anyone works what he, if anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and the spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temples of God, the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy. Which, which temple are you? May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Praise God. Amen. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Amen. Mighty word. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I'm going to ask praise the Lord as I customarily do that. Uh, uh, Sister Leslie and uh, Brother Edgar, take me in prayer. And I'm going to ask Stoffel. Amen. Give God thanks for the holy word. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Hey, hallelujah. Amen. Please take your seats. I'm grateful to God again that Emmanuel, Emmanuel Rios is with us again. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> Highly blessed by his presence and looking forward towards his growth in the Lord. Amen. How wonderful is the Lord. How amazing is this holy word. Amen. Praise God. 
Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Today's message, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, titled Tough Love. I, I was searching in my heart, searching in my mind for a cuter, wittier kind of title, something that would sound a little, you know, less impacting and something that would have less evidence of the fact towards where I want to go today. Um, the reason I didn't want to title it Tough Love was because I didn't want anyone to raise up uh, what Egg and I used to use at one point. We used to fool around whenever our wives spoke or something like that. And we say, shields up. Remember that, Egg? <laughs> uh, our wives, we would get together and we're goofing around and hanging out. And uh, as our wives would start a comment uh, toward husbands, uh, we would, uh, Egg would look at me and say, shields up. In other words, you know, we're, we're on defense mode. We're on defense mode. So we're prepared to defend ourselves in that way, right? And, and that was the hope that I didn't want today. I don't want our defensive shields to go up. Amen? I don't want our defensive shields to go up. Uh, this is not a message directed at anyone in particular. This is a message directed at the church, toward the church. It's a message that's spoken to individuals with the intent of reaching the mass. Amen? This is not about those that make up the audience. This is about the audience and how we impact the audience. When Jesus Christ spoke, and as we put our cell phones away, we put anything that's going to distract us away, we're going to focus, amen, on the word of God. Amen? We're going to focus on God's word. So, so I hope and pray that uh, if someone's texting you, that you put that on hold and that you communicate with them later on. Or I don't have Facebook, but that we don't see likes, likes, uh, that I'm not told about somebody hit like during a service. Amen? Because if somebody's hitting like right now on Facebook, uh, you're hitting it while I'm speaking the word of God, and I think that's quite disrespectful to God's word. Amen? Amen? So I want you to focus simply on God's word. So phones on silence, phones away. I have mine up, but I have a purpose with it. Amen? So I'm going to look at something here that I want to touch uh, in a few. Amen? So tough love, quite, quite, Quite tough, amen? Quite tough. We could have cutened it up, right? Like, uh, you know, uh, the love of a parent, you know, love of a parent and so on, and just go in that direction. But, but, but I think it brings about the same uh, feelings and emotions within us. Life, if we were to evaluate life, the Apostle Paul, at this point in section, he's critiquing, he's evaluating. But I think if there's someone, and I remember there was a sister in our congregation who's no longer with us, and I'm not going to mention her name, but one time... Uh, her son was scolded by somebody within the congregation. And when her son was scolded, she took quite high defense. She got upset. She was furious. And I didn't understand, and others didn't understand why she was so angry if we were just trying to help out her son. And as she raised her argument in the office, um, my defenses were up because this sister was irate. And as she's speaking, she was speaking about an individual, and she said it in front of an individual, I don't want this person correcting my child. And so I said, sister, um, and this was in front of senior pastor, it was all of us, it was all of us there, you know, and a few other people. Um, if we don't correct or speak to your child, how can we work with him? How can we work with him? And uh, she says, you know, she says, I don't mind. She pointed at a pastor, senior pastor. She said, I don't mind if he corrects him. And then she pointed at me, and I don't mind if you correct him. 
Then I was a little mixed up and confused because I said, you know, she but then she said, I don't want this person correcting my child. So we were like, you know, she went on and she eventually said, she said, the situation is this. She says, you love my son. And the pastor loves my son. You guys work with him. And when he does good, you tell him. And when he stays home, you guys call him and you guys look for him. This guy only comes to tell him when he's doing wrong. I don't want this guy speaking to my child the way he spoke to him. Until he changes and calls him when he's not here, I don't want him dealing with him in that way. Make sense? Makes sense, amen? If a parent raises a child by only scolding them and only telling them when they did wrong, what type of child would they bring up? Child who will live a life of defenses. But a child has to be told when he does right, but he has to also be told when he does wrong. The Apostle Paul, and as we have been studying the past couple of weeks, and today in Bible school we'll enter again, where Jesus Christ addresses seven churches. But Jesus Christ speaks about what you have done wrong, but he also speaks about what you have done right. The Apostle Paul commendates the church of Corinth quite a few times. He speaks of them impactfully. He speaks of them and of their impact, you know, to the world back then. How they have impacted the community of Christ with their offerings, with their love, with their giving, with their gifts. The Apostle Paul constantly commendates the church of Corinth and appreciates them. But the Apostle Paul also sees certain things within the church that he must move to correct. He must move to critique. And when we see words such as Brother Lee read in the first chapters where Paul says, I cannot speak to you as spiritual people, but as cardinals. Folks, we see this as words that are quite tough. If somebody tells me that they can't speak to me as someone who is spiritual, but as someone who is cardinal, spiritually, it's going to offend me. And let me tell you, it's naturally as well. It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. But the Apostle Paul had his reasons. What I love is that when we see chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 5, 6, Paul is addressing them as brothers. He's speaking to them the whole entire time as brothers. By no way, no means, no how is he excommunicating them from the body of Christ. He is not in any way saying you don't belong to the body. What he's trying to stress is the fact that is that you are a part of the body. And as we read in chapter 7, uh, pardon, verse 17, 16, 17, you are the church. But he's just stressing the fact, but you're not behaving like the church. You're not behaving like the church. See, the moment you come to Christ, verse 2 of chapter 1 tells us that you are sanctified to be saints. Sanctified to be saints. In other words, you're going to continue to live in the world. You're going to continue to live among sinners. But there's a difference between them and us. There's a difference and should be a difference between the world and a child of God. See, there's a major difference. And the fact is, you know what? You can get on a treadmill, right? Someone from the world can get on a treadmill, right? Someone from the world can get on a treadmill. But so can you. See, but when they're on the treadmill, they're simply being the world. See, but 
They get in a treadmill and they live life like the world lives. You get in a treadmill, but while you're in a treadmill, you're talking to God. You're talking to God. You're in that treadmill and you're speaking to God Almighty to bring his power into your life. And while that individual is manifesting something totally different, preparing to put on that dress, that outfit, that suit, to look good, you know, in the beach in the summer, you're, you're, you're in a treadmill because you want health and strength, but at the same time, you're speaking to God Almighty. Because you don't want to only look good, you want to live good. You don't want to only appear to be uh, good looking physically, you want to appear to be a part of the church and the body of Jesus Christ. You want there to be a difference between you and the world. We cannot behave like the world does. You know what's so sad? I have a friend who calls himself a Christian. And I have another friend who is constantly critiquing us. And one thing a friend of mine had done back when I had another vehicle, not mine now, because you're going to go out there and look. But it said, Christ is coming. Christ is coming, right? In the back of my car. It was a bumper sticker that somebody had given me. And and, and my friend approaches me and he says, uh, he says, hey, I didn't know what he was talking. He said, don't make us look bad. So I said, what do you mean? He said, you got a bumper sticker that says Jesus Christ is coming. When you're on the road, behave like Jesus Christ is coming. Don't go out there cutting people off and so on and so on. Don't go out there misbehaving and behaving like the world. Behave like you know what that sticker means. And I I laughed it off, and I continued to cut people off. (laughs) Then we have another mutual friend who's also a follower of Christ. And I'm going to beat this out because obviously I can't say the word. But this week alone, um, we, we, we have a statement uh, that goes out throughout, uh, it's in our job, you know, it, it comes out and it says, uh, courtesy is contagious. But it, no, well, I would say, I would says, courtesy is contagious. And it says, drivers say something nice. I hate that statement, pardon I hate it because the entire public can hear it. It's not like it's coming to me alone. The whole entire bus can hear it. You're with me, right? You're with me. You're with me. And and the only reason I can't stand it is because, you know, the public, when they hear it sometimes, they go, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they'll go, yeah. Thank the Lord they haven't done that with me yet. But some people have sucked their teeth, okay? I try to smile. I try to enjoy the job. But not all of us do that. And I have a coworker who this week, and he belongs to a church that we're familiar with. And he's crossing me in the street. And as he's crossing the street, he's a Christian. I mean, we speak about Christ and we've enjoyed Christ. But he tells me, as he's passing by, he says, brother, don't blank it up. He says, say something nice. And he laughs. <laughs> At first, when he started, brother, I'm like, I'm smiling, it's brother, because I'm expecting, you know, the normal, witty, you know, conversation we have. Brother, (laughs) he said, don't blank it up. And I went, he said, say something nice. You can imagine what he said, right? 
I'm like, because from behind him is the group that normally observes us. Right behind, he was about six feet away from him. He's going to make a relief, and I'm coming towards the group. Now, that group normally evaluates us, and they criticize us they, in a cute way because they don't serve the Lord. But they always says, oh, they go the brothers. They're going to hug. They're going to hug. They're going to hug. So we, we, we start hugging everybody in the crowd because, you know what, some have noticed that we, we, we hug brothers of the Lord, but we're not hugging those of the world. So in order not to be a bothersome, what we started, you know, we, we start to hug everybody in the crowd. And in the beginning, they were like, ah, get away, get away. But now, you know, some will say, oh, like, if you don't hug them, they're like, yo, you mad at me? Are you mad at me? So as he's leaving this crowd, and you guys know me with my kisses and everything, boy. I kiss the guys at work, and some of them in the beginning were like, ah, now they're like, some of them are like, you know, hey, what's up? You mad at me? But, you know, he's leaving the crowd. He's leaving the crowd. He says that. He curses. And I went, and the group noticed. But I didn't want to address this with the group. I didn't want to talk about it. I had nothing to say. He totally stumped me. Folks, it reached a point that I know he's a brother, but he's got a problem. And eventually I'm going to have to pray because I haven't been able to fully focus and I have to speak to him. And I got to tell him, you know what? What you did the other day in front of the world is not right. The world has to know that there's a difference between them and us. And I'm not trying to be prejudiced or racial. I'm speaking the word of God. There has got to be a difference between the behavior and the conduct of the church and the world. i got to behave like Christ is a part of my life. Christ said, be angry, but don't sin. Don't sin. Paul said, don't even let the appearance of what appears to be sin be found in your life. Paul told the church of Corinth, I have the right to ask you for funds, but I won't so that others don't stumble. You know, he held back just so that others don't fall. I have the right to do certain things, but I'm not going to do everything. He said, everything is convenient. Everything's convenient, but I'm not everything. Todo me es lícito, pero no todo me conviene. forgot the expression in English. Not everything is beneficial, right? I can do anything, but not everything is beneficial. And folks, we have to watch that sometimes our small conducts, little things, little things can be of such impact that the world sees us in a different way. And folks, if it ended there, it might not be as much of a problem. The problem is that they judge our God based on our behavior. Because the first thing they say is, See, that's why I don't go to church. Because church is full of hypocrites. How many hypocrites here? Be honest. Be, be honest. Thank you, Derek. Be, be honest. You can be honest. I'm raising my hand. I have to raise my hand. It happens. It happens. I, I, I don't intend it to happen. I don't make a lifestyle of it. But, but, but there are moments where, where, where I slip because I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. God bless you folks who didn't raise your hand and are perfect. God bless you perfect people. Give us a lesson. Greg, myself, and I think Sarah who raised a hand. Amen. Grace too, right? Even a foot. Amen. You raise a finger, right? You raise, common as a, 
<laughs> she got three fingers pointing back at her, but she raised one. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> but, but there has to be a difference between the world and us. Amen? So the Apostle Paul speaks to the church of Corinth because the Apostle Paul had spent time with this church. They knew him well. He knew them well. He has a right to critique, to speak to them, and he speaks to them with tough love. And he tells them, listen, at this stage in time, you should be eating meat, but I can't give you meat. Are we listening? Folks, one thing that I don't like are evaluations. Evaluations, right? I do not like to be evaluated. But one sad reality is that on a daily basis, I am being evaluated. And to make it sadder, so are you. Because your neighbors see you walking in, your neighbors see you walking out. If your neighbors don't ask you to pray for certain situations, folk, question yourself. If your coworkers are not asking you to pray, question your testimony. Amen? Amen? Question your testimony. Evaluate yourself. Because what it means is that they have already evaluated you and had determined you're just like me. There is no difference. That sounds tough, right? Title of today's sermon, if I didn't say it, it's tough love. Did I, did I mention that? Folks, I love you. As Paul loved the church of Corinth. But Paul didn't want the church to get lost. So Paul is speaking strong. Bless you, Greg. Good to see you. Paul is speaking strongly to the church. And he's telling them, you should be. In other words, you know what? Time has gone by. You have done enough things, spiritually speaking, so that you can at this point take in milk. See, what was the Apostle Paul stressing? The Apostle Paul was stressing the fact that the foundation has been laid. The foundation has been laid. What's the foundation? I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for his power for salvation. First to the Jew, Greek, and so on, right? The foundation of Jesus Christ. But the problem was that the church understood that Jesus Christ was the foundation. Corinth understood that the gospel was the element, the fundament of the church. Corinth understood it all begins with Jesus Christ, who is the cornerstone. So what begins to happen is that everything else that goes onto that building, because Paul says, you're a building, you're a field. There are those of us who are pruning you, who are working around you, who are killing weeds around you. There are those of us who are laying bricks, you're a building, who are lifting you up, who are raising you up. Let me tell you, I praise God for what happens here on Wednesday nights with those study chats. God bless Edgar. That staff. God bless Edgar. God bless Darb. God bless Manny, Lee. God bless Jen. God bless Leslie. God bless that staff Wednesday. You know, you know we, we pray about what takes place here Wednesday nights. Because we want you to be built up and edified. We want you to be strong. We, 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 we want to see transformation. We, we want to be taught how to live practical lives in Christ. Not about just coming to Jesus Christ, boom, and that's it. That's it. You know what? If you buy Bengay, anybody here got Bengay in their home? Okay, how about heat? If you buy heat, Manteca de Ubre. Oh my God. Oh my God, that's old. Or oh, the ultimate famous Beaks 
Bigs. Baparu. Baparu. Ah. Acolado, superiores. Oh, Jesus. Agua maravilla, some people buy, right? My God. And some, some, some of you think, oh, Geritol. <laughs> but you know what? You can buy these medicines, and your medicine cabinet can be filled with them. But if you don't, if you don't apply them to you, they're not going to work. They're not going to work. It could be in the closet, in the cabinet, medicine cabinet. And let me tell you, you're sitting there watching Theraflu. But until Theraflu doesn't go into you, it will not be effective. It will not be effective. See, when Paul says, I'm giving you milk, he says, I'm, giving, I'm, I'm still speaking to you about Jesus Christ. I'm still speaking to you about the gospel, the cross, the blood. I, I can't go into the other areas of doctrine as to the behind the scenes of what the blood has done. I can't go into behind the scenes of the significance of the cross. I can't go with you into what the angels are looking upon you and how they're seeing you. I can't go into you about what I saw in the third heavens yet. I, I can't get into deeper areas because you're still having a hard time with the gospel. What Paul was saying is that whenever I speak to you, I have to constantly evangelize to you. Isn't that tough? Folks, time had gone by. And Paul had to constantly evangelize the church at Corinth. In other words, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And every time I address you, I have to come back to the fundamental things. Because you have not yet reached the first floor. So if I speak to you of these simple things and you're stumbling over them, how much more will you stumble if I speak to you about the power of the blood? If I speak to you about the power of God's Holy Spirit that dwells within you. If I speak to you about the grace of God and the gift of eternal life through Jesus and the mercy that's unsurpassing, the peace that's unsurpassing, all understanding. How can I enter those areas of conversation? How deep can you see that your sin was red? Your sin was red. But when God came into our lives, he made it white as snow. How can you see it? How can I speak to you about these things? How can I speak to you about loving your neighbor? How can I speak to you about getting involved? How can I evaluate you and tell you you are not being of impact, not to the kingdom? Jesus spoke about the kingdom. Paul spoke about the church. Same thing. But if you were to be evaluated, and that's where Paul is. Hey, let me tell you, at the end of time, Jesus is going to evaluate us. And we're either going to go to the right or to the left. And we're either going to go to heaven or to hell. No in-betweens. No, the Bible doesn't speak about anything else. The Bible says you're going to heaven or you're going to hell. There's nothing else in between. So it doesn't matter where you go. Once you're gone, tetelestai. It is finished. It is finished, Jesus said. There's nothing else that can be done for you once you die. 
We can pray for you. No, we can't. We don't pray for the dead because once it's over, it's over. See, Paul couldn't tell the church that. Paul couldn't tell the church that. He had a hard time with this conversation. These are deeper conversations of study and things about the effectiveness of prayer, the effectiveness of fasting. How am I going to get this guy to fast if I still have to evangelize to him? It's a sense of Emmanuel gave his heart to the Lord last, sorry that I used an example, amen? Emmanuel gave his heart to the Lord last Sunday, and we're, we're blessed, praise God for that. Amen? amen? But could we imagine, as soon as Emmanuel gave his heart to the Lord last Sunday, I call him to the office, tell Emmanuel, tomorrow you got to start fasting. And Emmanuel, tomorrow you got to pray two hours. Emmanuel, read four chapters, I'm going to call you in the evening, you got to explain them to me. And I want you to tell me what's the blood, what's the cross. And man, I'm going to say, I came to the wrong church. <laughs> he said, I want to know what to start with. But that's where the apostle Paul was. See, they had reached a point that he should have been able to speak to them about, about these things. In other words, time had gone by. Time had gone by. But while time had gone by, they had wasted time. That waste of time. Let me tell you, when Jesus Christ calls me at the end, I'm going to be evaluated on a whole lot of levels, folks. Because I'm not only going to be evaluated on what I did with my personal life, but I'm going to be evaluated on every message that I preach to you, on every conversation that I've had with Egg about Wednesday studies, about every conversation I've had with you in the office. See, but I don't want to go to heaven and Jesus says, oh, man, at your job you were excellent behind the wheel. But at the church? See, because I could be behind the wheel, but still I'm a part of the church. See, I, I, I know I talk a lot about my job here, like, you know. But when I'm here, you know what? I'm the pastor. I'm your fellow brother. In Christ, I'm a member of the congregation. When, 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 but you know what? I stopped being a bus operator when I'm here. Did I ask you any, any guys from Metro Cards 275? No, no, no. I, I, I leave that over there. But when I'm there, when I'm there, I don't stop praying for the kids that walk in the door. I don't stop praying for the adults that I see who come on the bus and they're like struggling with methadone and drugs. And I know we're recording, but no last names will be given out. But when they come on, I say, what's up, Mike? Mike doesn't have his fare. Mike is scratching his face. What's up, Fred? What's up, Kenny? What's up, Sandra? What's up, Dave? What's up, John? Hey, Rosie, how you doing, Rosie? And they're like, and I say, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. You don't have it. You don't have it. But when I'm sitting in that seat, and I have a patch that says, you know what it says. And a badge that separates me from the individual on the other side of that glass and shield now, thank God. But when I'm sitting in that seat, I'm still the servant of God. Even though the church is not surrounding me, meaning structurally building, but I'm a part of the church. I'm a part of the body. And my impact there can hurt. One of the biggest things that I do is I always have my Bible on the left. You know, because when I catch a red light or whatever, sometimes I'm in it. And that could be a big trouble, but I haven't gotten caught yet. But God is good. God is good. 
because I need to read the word between. That's the only way to keep my sanity sometimes. You people are not easy. Here or on the bus. <laughs> but Paul is speaking to them, and he's telling them, you know what? You, you have to be built up. You've got to make an impact. Folks, listen to this. There's a lady called Marie E. Daly. You ever heard of her? Do some research on it if you can, a little bit. Just a little bit. Marie E. Daly is the first African-American woman to obtain a PhD in the U.S. In 1947, she fought against racial equality. She fought against sitting in front of the bus on her way to Columbia. Isn't that something? She fought against being able to drink from certain fountains. She fought against receiving certain grants. She fought against receiving certain tuition and, 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 and certain programs that would benefit other, and I'm not speaking against other nationalities, it's a sense of the time. Not only did she fight against racial equality, but she also fought against the fact that she was a woman. She was a woman. And it wasn't easy for her to obtain a PhD. Eventually she worked for E. Murray. She got her job. The problem was that she could not be overlooked because of how good she was at what she did. Her thesis was based on sugar, cornstarch. Ooh, a theme that rings heavily on most of us, right? Her studies, her contribution to diabetes today, even to today, she died in 2003. Even today, her studies are impactful to those of you who suffer diabetes. Her studies are impactful to those of you who suffer cholesterol, to those of you who suffer with sugar issues, but also those of us who like to take protein because we're constantly working out. Her study and research in protein help athletes in the Olympics today. This is all by one black woman. Folks, you gotta get a little emotional for this woman because she fought against all the odds but her passion and desire would not allow her to be stopped. She was chosen. She chose to be the best at what she did. She chose not to be overlooked, but to be observed. That when grades and notes were looked at, she would be valedictorian. She would be top of the class. She had no choice. She had no choice. Because those that were teaching her were there to flunk her. They were there to flunk her. She had to work harder, faster than those who were around her. And the beautiful thing, folks, is the trailblazer that she is and was. Because she paved the way for minorities to receive grants and to be received into the best of institutions, college-wise speaking. She paved the way, folks. While some were fighting in the South, she was fighting here in New York in the North. She was fighting her way through. And we have to bless God for somebody like that. Because a lot of us would still be sitting in the back of the buses if it wasn't for people. A lot of us wouldn't be in to institutions if it wasn't for people like, like, like Marie E. Daly. A simple, humble woman. But a woman that would not stay 
knocking on the door. She was going to go through that door. She was in a break glass ceilings. She was not to be stopped and she was determined to continue to march and to move forward. Folks, this woman has been of impact to science today. And if we look at it, folks, we have to question ourselves. She did not waste time. Time was an essence, of essence. There was no time to be wasted. She could not stand still and idle and let time go by. Every minute of her life counted. Because she realized, folks, folks, she dared to dream of the day as Martin Luther King spoke, where people will be judged by the content of their character, but not the color of their skin. She dared to dream. And she understood the fact that what she was doing was going to open the doors for people like me and people like you. She understood this back while she was suffering it. But she understood that her time of impact was short. The Bible says we're like grass. We're like flowers that wither away, folks. What is your pink impact and what is your contribution? Not to society as much, praise God, but your spiritual work is going to impact society. But what is your impact to the church of Jesus Christ? Are you a blessing? I, 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 <laughs> I kid around with a couple here. I'm not going to tell you who they are. But when I... When I hug her, I say, oh, God bless you, my trial. And when I hug him, I say, God bless you, my blessing. And their daughter, when she passes by me, tries to get away from me. She says, last week she says, so close. But it's just a joke. It's just a joke. But folks, if I'm going to be evaluated, I want to be evaluated as a blessing to the church. See, I don't want Jesus to say, you were a good husband, you were a good father, you were a good son, you were good at your job, but your contribution to the body, contribution to the body. We continue to read within the word. Paul says that if you build with silver, with gold, with bronze, with precious stones, if you start building up with things, that are fillers. These things are fillers. These are fillers. You, you know, who here likes hot dogs? Raise your hand. Come on. Who, who here likes hot dogs? Oh, man, so few of you. Who likes hot dogs? Raise your hand. Please. Sources as well, right? Who likes frankfurters? Come on, raise your hand. All right, let me tell you how they're made. <clears throat> let me tell you how they're made. Hey, Listen. Don't mess it up, right? I, I, I laugh, uh, speaking of that, right? Uh, for, uh, you guys know I like the song, uh, uh, Inexplicable, right? Inex inexplicable. This song called Inexplicable. <clears throat> and I apply and I, like, uh, I sang it to Nancy, you know, fooling around on Friday. And, and I, I love because at the end there was a bunch of uh, my friends who said, listen, I can never sing that song again because I can never take you out of my head expressing it. I ruined the song for them. I ruined the song for them. But I not, see, I, I ruined the song, but I, I, I don't want to ruin hot dogs. Because hot dogs are composed by fillers. And you know, the FDA, the government, I, I, I'm only going to say this real quick, right? I, I, I love making hot dogs, you know, uh, uh, Saber Red and so on, right? Um, 
Hebrew nationals, because they ha answer to a high authority, right? <laughs> they answer to a high authority. <clears throat> and some even plump when you cook them, you know? Uh, but the government allows, the government allows, I believe, 12% fillers and other additives. The fillers are other things that are obviously no nutrient value. You, you know what fillers do? Fillers don't create, they don't create health, they create profit. They create taste, they add to the taste. But are, are no nutritional value, no nutritional value. And that's what Paul is saying. You know, when you build with gold, with silver, with bronze and precious stones, Okay? You, you, you fill yourself up to appear to be Christ-like. But if you're filled, see, with stones and so on and precious metals, what Paul is saying is you're filled with fillers. In other words, there's profit, there's gain, taste to you, but not to the body. But not to the body. You are of no impact to the body. Some say that hot dogs even have, forget it, we'll leave it there, right? Leave it there. <clears throat> but are we together so far? I don't want to be filled with fillers. I want to be genuine. You know why? Because I'm like a Hebrew national. I answer to a higher authority. And so do you as well. And at the end of time, you have to answer to all God, God Almighty. When God begins to question you, and when you go before the presence of God, there's no way to hide what you did. Because the Bible says that your acts, your actions, your impact will be tested by fire. And you know what? That is twofold. Because sometimes, you know what? Everything that is a filler, when it goes into fire, disappears. When it goes into a trial, it shows up. The real you eventually will come out. Folks. You don't want to burn a hot dog to a crisp, or you don't want to oversteam it, overcook it. Have you ever been to a 7-Eleven, and you see a shriveled up hot dog? <laughs> Nobody ever says, give me that one. Nobody ever says, give me that one. No way, no. You know what the problem is? That hot dog has been overcooked. And only what's genuine hot dog is what's left. Only what's genuine. So in other words, you know what? If you have that hot dog, it's a lot more nutritious than the one that just plumped. Does it make sense? See, I'd rather be that shriveled up hot dog than the one that's sitting nice and thick, because you know what? The world looks at certain Christians and say, hey, I can hang with you, because you're filled with the fillers that make you just like me. But when the world see only what's left, that you've been passed through fire, and the Holy Spirit has filled you, and you have been changed and transformed, the world doesn't want to hang out too much with you. So when the world sees you, it's not the one I want to hang out with. It's not the one. Does it make sense? It's not the one I want to hang out with. Give me the one that's nice and plump. Folks, Jesus was not popular. Jesus was not popular. And you should not be popular either. You should not be popular either. You know what? When the Friday night 
the office, the warehouse, they're going to go hang out? If they invite you, question yourself. Because they're going to go to party? What's up? And eventually, you know, eventually, you know, listen, we know what happens. We know what I eventually go. <laughs> and you know what? The shriveled up hot dog, the shriveled up Christian, they don't want him around. They don't want her around. Because the shriveled up hot dog is the one that has all the authority to criticize all the plumpy hot dogs. But they don't want you there. Because they don't want you to make a comment against their lives. The thing is, you know what? When you're there, they have to behave a certain way. And that's the way it should be. That's the way it should be. Paul says, hey, don't you know? Isn't that heavy? Paul says, verse 16, don't you know that you are the temple of God's spirit? In other words, you know what? You're, you're, you're acting the way you shouldn't act. Don't you know? Folks, do we understand that question? He's not speaking to an individual. He's speaking to a body, to an audience. This, is, this you is plural. In other words, don't y'all know? Don't y'all know? That you are the temple of God's spirit. You are the temple of God's holy presence. Folks, temples in Scripture, in Old Testament time, in the book of Numbers, we see the care that went into the tabernacle. Nineteen chapters are dedicated to the tabernacle alone. Nineteen chapters. How important the tabernacle was and who would care for it and who would act within it, within the rituals and the spiritual activity. You know why? Because God was going to dwell within the tabernacle. Eventually, if we look at the book of Kings, first or second Kings chapter 5, when the Bible says that Solomon began his prayer, the Bible says that after he built the temple that was selected, the property was bought by David. The property was bought by David. But the property had been selected Years ago, that piece of property where the temple was built was Mount Moriah, Mount Zion eventually, where, where a Isaac was going to be sacrificed by Abraham back in the book of Genesis. So the land had already been selected. David had purchased the land. Solomon built the temple. He prayed to God. The Bible says that the cloud filled the temple of God and the priest could not minister because the place was filled with God's presence. Flesh had to run. So when God's presence fills us, flesh has to run. Flesh has to submit to the presence of God. Don't you know that you are the temple of God's Holy Spirit? Eventually the temple was ruined. What happened? Leveled by Nebuchadnezzar. Ezra comes back. Nehemiah comes back. They lay the foundations. Ezra chapter 2 tells us. When the foundations were laid, the temple was being built. Those celebrated because the temple and the presence of God was going to be amongst them. The temple and presence of God was so important that whenever a city was sieged or attacked, the first thing they came for was for what? For
for the temple. Ruin the temple and you ruin their God. Why are the enemies attacking you? Because you are the temple of God's Holy Spirit. Jesus told the Samaritan woman, woman, you don't know what you're talking about. I love to talk like, talk like I would love to talk like that to Nancy, but I Woman, you don't know what you're talking about. But if I want to live another year, another day. But Jesus knew what he was saying when he spoke to Samaritan. Woman, the time is coming. And the time is now. Where you're not going to worship in Jerusalem, nor on this well mountain. But you're going to worship in spirit and in truth. Jesus could have told her, don't you know that you are the temple of God's Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is about to begin to reside within you within a few days. Don't you know that you're the temple of God's Holy Spirit? Temple of God's Holy Spirit has to be separated. It has to be sanctified, put to the side. You know what? When the world marches in a certain direction, you have to be able to say, I can't go. I can't go. When the world acts a certain way, you have to be able to say, I can't do that. When the world speaks a certain way, you have to be able to say, I don't speak like that. And they have to be able to see a difference in your conduct. To be able to see a difference in your conduct. We're called to be separated, to be different. We're called to live out a life with God. But we're called to be fed and to be raised up by the power of God's Holy Spirit. God wants to minister to us. Don't let God tell you, I would love to give you meat, but I have to continually evangelize to you. Every week you have to convert. Every day you have to confess. It's a difference between confessing your sins every day. Because there's a, the, the, the high priest, the priest, they confessed. When, when they washed their hands before they went into the tabernacle, it was a sense of confession that they needed cleansing. The Bible says if we say we have no sin, we make God a liar. So there's a difference between confessing our sin every day in the presence of God. Because the thing is, we, we slip. We fall. We make mistakes. But you know what? He raises us up. And we don't stop being the temple. Paul says, by the grace of God, I have been given the knowledge to be a master builder. He's not boasting. He's telling them, by the same grace that I'm depending on, you depend on. You depend on. Paul is stressing, if we look at it, I'm up here. The foundation's here, and you're somewhere in between. You know what? Build up and reach the point that I'm a pastor, preacher, teacher, you too become a master preacher, teacher. This is not for me, Paul is saying. This is for you all. But we're just simply what? Apollos is just working. I'm just working. I'm planting the seed. Apollos is watering. You know what? You do the same. Get involved. Be of impact. Be filled with the power of God's spirit. You are the temple of God. Don't you know that? You are the temple. God's presence. You know what, folks? You're the temple of God's presence. Act like it. Act like it. We'll end with this. Jesus Christ is coming soon. 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 And when Jesus Christ comes, it's not like you're hiding from the pastor or the leadership. You cannot hide the way you lived from the presence of God. Because excuses don't take you too far. Because God says, the Bible tells us, and Jesus knew their heart. And Jesus knew what they were thinking. 
And Jesus understands the fact that, hey, I gave you an opportunity. I gave you time. I ministered to you. I talked to you. And all you came back with was excuse upon excuse. Folks, there's a million excuses not to come here to the house of the Lord. But there's only one reason to come to the house of the Lord. And fellowship, okay, yeah, no, but it's Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ. And Jesus calls us from our beds, from our couches, from our sofas, from our homes. You know what? He calls us Mondays. He calls us Tuesdays. He calls us Wednesdays. He calls us to, and you know what? We may say, oh, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. Oh, I feel this way. I'm, I'm this. I'm that. I'm that. You know what, folks? When it comes to heaven, Jesus is going to know if you could have made it or if you couldn't. I marvel. Alex Rodriguez, Cal Rifkin broke Lou Gehrig's, broke Lou Gehrig's uh, record, right? Most games played, right? Folks, how did this man never get sick or his body didn't break down? If you keep getting sick, if you keep breaking, you got to pray to God and you got to ask God what's going on. If things are happening that don't allow you to come to the house of the Lord to grow, you got to start asking yourself what's going on. You got to ask yourself, what's going on? One thing is if my boss holds me to 8 o'clock. Another thing is if I'm holding myself back at 7.20. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah, what, what a coincidence. Service starts at 7.20 Wednesdays. That's a coincidence. Right? But, but you, you know what? You know where you're at. And eventually, listen, I told you, this is tough love. And I'm trying to evaluate you now before Jesus Christ evaluates you at the end. Paul tried to speak to the church then, before the church was spoken to by Jesus Christ. Today's Bible lesson, Bible school, good lesson. Eyes of fire, feet of Bronx. In other words, I see through your heart and what's real. And my feet of Bronx will destroy those acts that are not mine. Tough love, folks. God bless you. Love you. Let's continue to grow.